The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. All right, Craig, thank you. It is uh, Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. I'm Dave Congleton. Is it me, or are we just talking about the future a lot on the show lately? I mean, last night we had the uh, physicist from the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory talking about fusion. In about an hour, Dr. Larry Martinez is going to check in talking about self-driving cars. Uh, This hour, it's been a busy day for me. Right before the show, I was right here in town. And I was introduced to the world of virtual reality. I submit another dimension of the future that is coming. And the really cool part is, is that right here in San Luis Obispo, we're playing a role in it. Here to talk about virtual reality and the local angle, we welcome to this broadcast first-time guest, Dr. Bob Crockett. Uh, Bob is a professor of biomedical engineering at Cal Poly. He's co-founder of Haptics. And we're going to talk about virtual reality. Bob, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for coming in. Jeez. Lynn was just here, and she's like, I don't understand what this is. So let's just start (laughs) virtual reality 101. How do you explain it to people? What is it? All right. So virtual reality, I mean, most people, when they think of virtual reality and haven't tried it, you get a picture in your head of of somebody wearing a a big dorky pair of goggles. Yeah. Uh, And in that dorky pair of goggles uh, can be a really magical experience. So when virtual reality is done right... You don the headset, your whole field of uh, vision is filled up by, by something that's generated by a computer. So it could be a, a landscape of Mars or underwater or anywhere that you can imagine. Uh, and again, if it's done right, your mind believes that, that you are there. Uh, now, the, the, the key operative is if it's done right. And virtual reality has been kind of not quite ready for prime time for uh for a long time but why is that it's just the technology like any new technology it, it takes a while to evolve and get to a price point where more and more people can can use equipment that gives you the right experience how long has it been around bob well actually about 50 years uh in different forms they were they were using virtual reality in nasa experiments uh back years and years and years ago back with old crts and uh and early early video technology uh, and then it, it's, it's gone through a couple of cycles of hype where uh, they'll release a consumer product and people will try it. And after a while, they, they just kind of get bored of it and put it aside. Uh, so I would, I would submit that today is a little bit different because the technology is finally ready to, to give people the experience that they would hope for. Now, you were telling me, despite being a professor of uh, biomedical engineering, you weren't that familiar with virtual reality before you got involved with Haptics. That's right, yeah, so 10 years ago uh, is when the, the whole idea for Haptics, the company, started. Uh, and it was brought to me by a 20-year-old college dropout from out of the area, from the Seattle area, who had this, this vision, and we'll talk about that because it really formed the, the basis of the company. Uh, but he was the one that introduced me to the whole concept of, of virtual reality. Allow me the question, why did he come to you, given that you had no background? Well, he, he knew about Cal Poly, uh, okay. and at, at that time, I was running a, a side business uh, that, that helped individual entrepreneurs and innovators uh, take their idea and turn it into reality. 
Mm. And so he, he found that uh, online. I don't advertise. I don't know how he found me, but yeah. he well, called, must be cold good. called me and, and said, mouth. <laughs> yeah. And what was his idea? Well, so this is this is where it gets a, a, a little bit interesting, because uh, if you can picture yourself uh, in, in my shoes, uh, trying to, to make a living helping people get their ideas started, uh, you have to be a little bit careful to screen the people who really have something and the people who are a little bit nutso. Uh, and Jake, Jake Rubin is his name, he painted this this vision of a machine where you strap yourself into it, you put on the headset, uh, and if it's done right, you cannot tell the difference between the real world and the virtual world. Uh, and so he painted this picture in enough detail that I started thinking about it. And, and conceptually, it's true. If you pixelate the body, if you think of the body broken up into enough little units uh, and you apply the right forces and torques and heat temperature fluxes uh, to each of those areas, you can trick yourself into being in a different world. We're with uh, Dr. Bob Crockett. Um... Well, welcome phone calls here in a little bit. But if you just want to listen in, that's fine, too. But this this is a real show. This is not virtual reality. We'll make that clear. <laughs> so let's kind of walk people through my experience. I, I came over to see you. You're right over here off of Orchid Road. Yep. And uh, Caleb, yep. uh, ID him for us, please. Who's Caleb? So Caleb is a Cal Poly graduate, uh, as are a number of our employees. Uh, Caleb handles the IT for uh, for our company, uh, former engineer, and also a a, a continual um, video game player, as, as many of our, our folks are. So uh, they put the, the goggles on me, yep. all right, and they put headphones on me, yep. right? And then, but the difference is, is that they also put these gloves on me. Yeah, and the, that, those gloves are what we sell uh, as our product at Haptex. How do you explain those to people? Well, how do you describe them? Yeah, well, so uh, let me take one baby step back to, to give you an idea of, of why gloves are important. Sure. Uh, when, you, when you have a really good virtual reality experience with some of the high-end headsets, sure, you can believe you're on Mars, but, but we're human. We want to interact with things. If you're in an aquarium, you want to reach out and touch the fish as they swim by. And in, in today's virtual reality, you can't even see your hands. You're in a headset, you see what the computer is generating, but you, you feel disembodied. You feel like a ghost. Uh, and so uh, what a pair of gloves that, that we sell does is let you actually touch and fill and interact with objects that you see in the headset as if they were real. So I had these gloves on. And then Caleb, I, I, the head, everything's on me, so I have no idea what was happening. But then I entered this different world and, um, like, touch a cloud. I, I could see my fingers. Yep. Okay, so as you pointed out, I wasn't looking at gloves. I was actually seeing my fingers touch a cloud. It started to rain. I could put my hand underneath the rain, and I could feel the rain. Yep. Um, there was wheat, because the scene was a farm, and I could put my hand down and rub it along the wheat and feel the wheat. That's right. Yeah, and, and there is a lot of technology that goes into to hopefully making that experience feel natural. A tractor came out of the barn. I was able to pick up the tractor. Uh, was it a wolf? Uh, came, fox. Fox. Fox came out. I was able to pick up the fox. It was really different. I had never experienced anything like that before. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, we're we're really proud of of, of how far we've come. We've been doing this for a, for a long time now, uh, and we're finally to the point where where we can release a product to the world that uh, that gives the sort of of natural touch experience uh, that that we want. But how common is that, Bob? Do many companies offer that experience, or are you one of the first? We're, we're the only company that 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 lets you feel things in VR that feel natural. All right. So what are you doing differently? How are you the ones? No offense. But with all the companies out there and all the competition, what have you done differently? What was your breakthrough? Yeah, well, part of the reason it's taken us 10 years to get here is that, that we're doing it differently. So it's it's actually not that hard to, to give a sensation, to have a computer generate a, a, a sensation of feeling. Your iPhone does that all the time with, with the way that, that you're touching what feels like a button. And it's not really a button. It's just a vibration. Uh, and that's fine for for buttons and for buzzes. Uh, and there are companies that make a pair of, of gloves that that have that technology in it. It's not that hard to make those gloves. When you reach out and touch something with those gloves, you'll feel a sensation, but it doesn't feel like grabbing a coffee mug or feeling yeah. wheat. It, it it feels like a buzz. Uh, and it it's taken us quite a while to to package a technology that that truly tricks your brain into to thinking that you're touching something solid. What um What's the best website for your company? Uh, our company website is, is www.hapdex.com. Spell that out, please. That's spelled H-A-P-T-X. Dot com. And, uh, but, you know, honestly, if people want to explore the technology, a Google search of, of that company name will show you all sorts of things, from, um, from Jeff Bezos uh, using a robotic system with our gloves to, uh, to different science um, journalists talking about the experience. It, it's gotten a lot of press. Stop the press. Yeah. Je- uh, Jeff Bezos uses your gloves? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, get him, let's get him to call in. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, how the review's been? Uh, uh, 100% positive. So, so this is very early technology, and, and not a lot of people have seen it. Uh, but it's something that, that even experienced kind of jaded VR professionals have not had this experience before. So I was one of the first. You are, yeah. I'm honored. Well, that was I, that, that, I was very impressed. I was very impressed. But there's so much more to talk about. I don't want to get too far behind. Uh, Dr. Bob Crockett on this broadcast. We're talking about virtual reality. It's here, and it's going to grow, I predict. But what does it all mean? We'll pursue that with our guest as we continue right here on Hometown Radio. Well, last hour we were saying, hey, where's all the good news? I've got some good news for you. It looks like right here in little San Luis Obispo, we have uh, jumped to the forefront in virtual reality. Thanks to Dr. Bob Crockett and the team at Haptex. Bob is also a professor of biomedical engineering. As we come back, Bob, what's the role, if any, of Cal Poly in this? Yeah, so Cal Poly has played a really important role in, in a number of, of high-tech startups around here, uh, and Haptex is, is definitely one of them. Uh, it's interesting. The technology, a lot of people think of technology coming from a research lab and working its way into a product. And that's not really what happened. In this particular case, it was the brainstorm of, of this one individual who needed a whole workforce of very specialized skills. He needed electrical engineering and biomedical engineering and computer science and uh, all sorts of, of different capabilities. Uh, that's when he came to me. And what Cal Poly did, which is very unique among universities, is kind of open their doors and say, look, why don't you just rent our stuff out. You don't have to, to write a, a, a big contract and, and we don't expect to keep all the intellectual property. We feel it's important to educate our students, give them, them a good opportunity with something practical 
and so that that's how it got started is is essentially we rented little pieces of the university uh, and built this this um, system this this whole technology uh, both with Cal Poly and outside of the bounds of this of the traditional university I hope dr. Armstrong got a free pair of gloves yeah <laughs> he's, he's in line Craig has a question Craig yeah well not or really a question more yeah. of a comment that like you're, you're telling me about all this, and I'm seeing the price, and I'm like, wow, you know, right now it's kind of out of hand or out of reach for me. Yeah. But if you were to use the technology to open, like, a VRcade, yep. and I'm not talking, like, you know, just where someone plays games, but really has different kinds of experiences, you would be able to introduce new potential customers who could to buy your equipment to the technology because, you know, to plop down... You know, five grand on something is one thing, but if you yeah. play it and you use it and you're like, I have to have this, <laughs> yeah. then they're much more likely to buy it and much more likely to buy it from you than anyone else. But let me yeah. piggyback on that. You're not going after the individual buyer, are you? That's correct. I mean, it, it is a high price point. Uh, and the, the unit we have right out now, now it's called our Development Kit 2. It's tens of thousands of dollars. This is, this is not aimed at, at, uh, at the gamer. Uh, I think it's, it would be wonderful technology for gaming. But it actually has a much more pressing need right smack dab in, in the middle of what companies do. Yeah. They have to train people uh, under sometimes stressful or sometimes dangerous scenarios. Imagine firefighters or, or pilots or electricians. Uh, and virtual reality is, is great for part of it. But unless you really can, can feel switches and knobs and, and do the work that you're going to do with your hands, you're not building muscle memory. Uh, Craig, I'm afraid to ask, what exactly is a VRcade? Uh, I just I thought I made up the term and then oh. I googled it. I'm like, oh, I guess it's already a thing. But oh. yeah, it's just an arcade. But instead of uh, standing in front of the machine, you're standing in the machine. Yep. And yep. become part of. It. But as far as limiting yourself to you know professional uh, applications, I'm just thinking to myself, Amazon used to just sell books, right. and then they wanted to make more money than has ever been made in the history of time, <laughs> and now they do everything. So I would yeah. think that you'd want to apply this to the the widest range of potential customers. Yeah, no, and that is a good point. And, and you know, what you're seeing is uh, what happens a lot in, in technology is that it starts out uh, kind of uh, experimenty, kind of half-baked, uh, very high price, very limited range of, of people who, who can afford it and need it bad enough to, to live with its quirks. Uh, and then as it matures, the cost comes down, the audience gets wider and wider, and the same thing is going to happen with, with this technology. All right, so let's back up, though, again, for the layperson like myself. You just mentioned uh, firefighters, first responders. Yeah. How can virtual reality help them? Sketch yeah. it out for us. Well, you know, if you think about firefighters as an example, we have the, the firefighter training center right over the, the way. And yeah. it's, a, it's a physical building, and they, they light it on fire, and, and uh, everybody dons their masks and do these, these procedures. And that's, that's critical for training. But it's also limited. It's limited because it's that building. It's certain scenarios. You can't turn on and off the, the fire uh, instantly. You can't set up different scenarios. If you don't limit yourself to the physical world, if you have a virtual world where, where you can, just like you develop a video game, you can invent any world you want, you're just changing out software to, to go through many, many different training scenarios. Uh, and so it, it reduces the cost, it increases the, the, the effectiveness, and most importantly, it, it uh, increases the safety. So in, in, in the firefighter example, you could put them in the middle of a virtual fire. Yep. And then because they can feel things, yep. they can touch things, it's a real-world simulation. Correct. Yep. And that's, that's really the value proposition. So that sort of, of industrial training 
uh, is the group of people who can afford the high price right now, who do are motivated to, to take the technology as early as possible before the rest of us get to use it. Uh, what about healthcare? How could this be used in medicine, doctor? Yeah, so so we have uh, a number of early customers who are uh, who develop simulations for medical training. So imagine instead of working on a cadaver or working on uh, on a, a, a a patient uh, in terms of, of trying out a new surgical procedure or learning a surgical procedure or just practice. If you could do that in the virtual world, uh, that's amazing. You can, you can have any body type, any disease state just by changing the software. And then you put on the goggles yep. and the gloves yep. and you get And you perform practice. the surgery. Yeah. And you don't really, if it's done well enough, you don't make a distinction between uh, the fact that that's not a real person on the table in front of you. We're engaged in a conversation with Dr. Bob Crockett about virtual reality. You've said this has been around for 50, 60 years. Why hasn't it taken off more? Well, it really is a matter of, of uh, the, the, there's so much technology that goes into a system like what you tried today. Not just our part of it, but the, the headset. Uh, and all this this video uh, equipment and the, the data and the video games, it's, it's taken that long for the pieces to come together in a way that, that really uh, is achievable, is, is affordable uh, to put it together in a system like ours. I told you uh, earlier when I came by, my whole experience was watching that Michael Douglas movie. I, I don't even That's remember right. the name of it. Michael Douglas and uh, and he went into virtual reality. Yeah, I can't remember the name either, but, but that was a while back, yes. <laughs> but it has, and, and then obviously gamers, they're all the gamers. Yep. Gamers, uh, this is what they do. Yeah, well, and, and, and many people have probably seen the, the movie Ready Player One. And that, yeah. that described a vision of a, the future that was very dystopian, but it's the same basic idea where uh, if you have a headset, if you have a pair of gloves, if you have a way to trick your body uh, sufficiently, then you believe you're in a virtual world. Uh, and that world can be anything. But, uh, and I'm not looking for controversy here, but it is legitimate to bring up there are parents who are concerned that the young people are gaming too much, right. that they're too much in virtual reality. Yep. So yep. how do we balance that? Well, it's, uh, honestly, and I, I, I don't mean to bring everything back to our product saving the world, but that's part of the motivation for doing what we're doing. Explain. Uh, if you're in virtual reality in a single-person game, you're quite isolated. Now, most of the gaming today actually isn't single-person. It's, it's, uh, your kid is also playing with a number of, of his or her peers all around the, the world uh, in a shared environment. And that's good, but it's still one very small dimension of human interaction. If you can get to a point where people can be in a, in a common world and actually interact with each other in a natural way, then uh, I think you've really taken away that, that isolation and brought it back, you know, brought some more humanity back to VR. Hmm. Are there any side effects? Um, well, a, a general side effect of virtual reality that, that used to be much worse is getting better, but some people still have issues with sickness, seasickness. Really? Because, you know, your, your body is not expecting something to change. It, it's got to be perfectly in sync. When you move your head and the video image moves, it's got to be absolutely perfectly synced or, uh, or your body will detect a very subtle difference uh, and, and that gives you motion sickness. Uh, now, what we found is that the sense of touch actually takes that away because it, it grounds you a little bit more. It, it makes your body really believe that that image that it's seen is reality. So there's less disconnect between 
a vision and what your body is expecting. Hit us with the website again, doctor. Uh, it's www.hapdex.com. Spell that, please. H-A-P-T-X. Check it out. The future is here, and it's right here in San Luis Obispo. We're off to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig gives us the virtual traffic and weather. We'll continue our conversation with Dr. Crockett. Welcome any questions you might have as well. This is Hometown Radio. Landed on the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. 505, we uh, are joined by Dr. Larry Martinez talking about self-driving cars. Lance Parker talks about barbecue. Go, Lance, during the 6 o'clock hour. First-time guest this hour, Dr. Bob Crockett, longtime professor of biomedical engineering at Cal Poly, co-founder of Haptics. Judging on the first half hour, they seem to be on the cutting edge of virtual reality. As we continue the conversation, if you have any questions want in the conversation, feel free to call in or text in 805-543-8830. Although I confess, Bob, coming back to you, I feel a little bit like a dinosaur on the radio talking about virtual reality. <laughs> is it just me? Uh, on the Stolberg Tatum text line, listener wants to know, what is the connection between virtual reality and the metaverse? Remind yeah. us what the metaverse is. Yeah, no, that's a great question. There are a lot of people who want to know what the metaverse is, uh, including including me. Uh, it's a it's a concept. It's something that that is evolving every day. Companies are putting a lot of money into trying to figure out what it's going to be. I, I think of it as uh, essentially a, a, a three dimensional version of the internet, uh, a a place, a virtual place where people can 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 go to do the sort of things they would do in person, uh, but do it in a three dimensional world. So the, the connection is, is that it's, it's technologies like virtual reality that, that immerse you in that, that three-dimensional virtual world. And is industry in general embracing virtual reality, and is your contribution likely to shape that in any way? Yeah, so, so we do not have a hard time selling the concept of, of our gloves. What, what we find is that, especially the larger companies, they have been involved in virtual reality for simulation and training for a decade. Uh, and they've, they've recognized both the real benefits that we've talked about, being able to, to have any environment you want, but also the drawbacks of, of not being able to touch things. Uh, and so they've kind of been waiting for a company to come along with a product like ours that, that gives you that ability to, to touch and interact. And why does the touch... Why is that so important, that ability? Why is it just enough to see? Yeah, well, well, I mean, we're human, and, and humans do things by, by interacting with them physically. Uh, and so part of the learning, the whole learning of, of a new skill, like being a pilot, uh, is the muscle memory that you build by, by reaching over and flipping switches and turning knobs. And, and it's that, that touch that if you don't do that, if you're just working with a mouse in a, in a computer simulation, uh, it's actually been shown that it's, it's, it's not only bad training, it's, it's, it's negative training. You're, you're learning less than if you just didn't do anything in the first place. What about sense of smell? Is that next? That's, that's on the future. It's on the roadmap. Uh, you see that someday. There, there are see, companies out there. Touch yeah. and smell. And smell, yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, well, let's back up a little bit. So this is 10 years in the evolution. 
this guy comes to you, gets you on board. Give us a sense of what the last 10 years have been like. Yeah, it's been a it's been a wonderful experience, a roller coaster like like any type of entrepreneurial experience. But you can imagine in the early days with a 20 year old college dropout uh, and a, a, a college professor who's clearly past his prime going around to, to venture capitalists uh, and painting this this picture of uh, of a world where where you can't tell the difference between reality and virtual reality. We, we had a tough go at it until we were able to, to show the technology, until we had prototypes that, that people could actually interact with and, and, and understand that this was possible. Well, um, how do you find venture capital? I know nothing about this. So you have this idea and you decide you're going to work together. How do you find these people? How do you find the money? Yeah, that's what's been, again, a really rewarding part of this whole experience is, is doing this all in San Luis Obispo has been uh, really enabling. It's, it's let us do what we've done and grow in a way that, that we're really proud of. So early on, we had help. We had help from early investors. Uh, there's a, a, a angel investing group in town called Slow Seed Ventures. Uh, and that's, this is a bunch of people who, who love technology, who are willing to take a flyer on, uh, on a really radical idea uh, and invest a little bit of money to get things started. And along with that money, they also have expertise and connections uh, to the folks in town who are, are used to, to adding um, some of the business services, like intellectual property uh, or accounting uh, or the SBDC. And what you find is that, that if you just sort of plunge into this ecosystem in town, people are really rooting for you. And the connections will sort of fall in place to, to, to help you along. So you're not doing this on your own. Hmm. But at some point, you've had to come up with the I guess the prototype. Yep. Right. Yep. So, what was that challenge like, and how did you do that? Well, you know, so our earliest prototypes uh, were were built on a shoestring budget. They were built with part time Cal Poly students at, at that point, uh, but they were really, really good. And that's you know that's a testament to to Cal Poly's engineers is is that they were very professional from day one. It didn't look like a science experiment. It looked like we were building the first of a technology that was that was going to be around for a long time. Uh, and it was it was kind of funny. Our, our first technology demonstration that really showed the technology, we'd bring it around uh, up to Northern California to try to, to raise money in Southern California and up to Seattle. And it was the size of a refrigerator. It was this big box with all sorts of tubes and wires. And you stick your hand up underneath it uh, and and you can um, see your hand, a cartoon in your hand, and, and place objects into your hand. And, and what was so funny is that, that, that this was all virtual, of course. There weren't really objects in your hand. But we had a number of people, really high-powered venture capitalists, finish that, that demonstration, open up the lid of the box, and, and look for the banana that was in their hand. Because they just they couldn't believe that that was all done uh, virtually. Let's take a call. We've got Sherry in Paso on KVEC. Hi, Sherry. Good afternoon, Dave. Hi, Sherry. Uh, yeah, I'm just driving and just been listening. And I have a couple questions. Sure. Maybe a comment. Uh, so you're... Your guest is a doctor of engineering. He is, he is a professor of biomedical engineering at Cal Poly. He's also co-founder of the company. We're talking about haptics. Okay, so not not much uh, background in psychology or psychological? No, no, I do not okay. have a background in psychology. Yeah, uh, yeah, my background is in uh, mental health and psychology, so mm-hmm. I do have some um, concerns. And I'm just wondering if there's been any... Uh, given the rising, drastic rising in recent uh, times of uh, mental health issues, we, we're always talking about 
the, the seriousness of this now. Sure. Have there been any long-term studies about what you're doing? And I admit I don't know much about it, but I do have concerns about it. Yeah. Uh, long-term it, studies as yeah. to any type of psychological issues and also how productive these people are uh, in uh, taking care of themselves in their lives. Stay with us, Sherry. A legitimate question. Yeah. Any mental health? <laughs> Yeah, so so one answer is that we just don't have the data yet. I mean, the technology hasn't yeah. been available until now. Uh, and we're getting a lot of interest from psychologists uh, to do this sort of study, exactly what you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of, of perception, uh, as in directions that, that can lead to potential therapeutic use for it, uh, for PTSD yeah. and other types of, of, you know, being able to control the environment uh, and introduce people to, to the, the, a certain known level of stress at a certain point in time. Uh, I don't, I don't know where it's going to lead. I, I'm really excited to see, and I think that one of the things that we want to continue to do as a company is is be be proactive in uh, in assisting in these sort of studies. Anytime you have a new technology, uh, it can be used for for great good uh, or for some kind of terrible applications, uh, yeah. and that's very important to us. What else, Sherry? Yeah, uh, I'm. Yeah, so there is no data, and yeah, my area of expertise is in perception reframing. Just so you know, doctor, there's already a, a technology that's been out for uh, 14 years uh, in voice mapping that shifts perception in a very healthy way. That's already available, and it's very, very effective. Yeah, yeah. All right, Thank you. Sherry, Thank you. thanks for checking in. And obviously, research will come out. Yeah, I mean, in the in the virtual reality world today, are there any guidelines? Hey, don't do this for more than four hours at a time. Or yeah, you know, there there are some guidelines. Again, though, the technology is advancing so so rapidly that that things that were issues a number of years ago, uh, we mentioned motion sickness, uh, aren't the, don't have the same impact that they that they did then. So things are improving. Uh, it's just such a fast moving trajectory that there hasn't been an opportunity to do much regulation. And this is something that, that again, is very, very important to, to address. Things like privacy issues, when you're taking biometric data of, of, of somebody's you know, pupils dilating and, and heart rate along with this sort of equipment, are you going to sell that? Are you going to make it available? There's, there's lots of issues uh, as, as this technology advances uh, that, that we're really quite interested to, to be part of the conversation with. Now, I want this question to come out right because I, 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 I'm not – it's not accusatory, but I'm listening to you and I'm fascinated. Basically, you had some Cal Poly students working with you. Yep. So why? And you're the first. Yeah. Why couldn't somebody else in the country? I mean, yeah. It, it, hey, we, I got together with a couple students and we came up with a prototype. That, no, that's a great question. And and <laughs> honestly, I, I mean, this, good for Cal Poly. Good for you. Well, this company and, and, and really good for, for the person who was the original uh, visionary. Absolutely. Jake. Yep. Uh, and I don't think this, this company could have existed uh, coming out of Stanford. I don't think really? this technology could have existed coming out of either an academic or a, or a government lab. Why? It takes a 20-year-old who's been immersed in the, in the world of, of gaming to look at things differently. Uh, and, and that's really, we've taken an approach that, that is bordering on, um, uh, on the absurd in terms of the, of the vision and the audacity of, of where we're going. But when you really sort of get over that, that hurdle, you realize this, this can be done. Uh, and that's the neat thing about Cal Poly is, is they just roll up their sleeves and, and get it done. Well, that, that's a legitimate question to follow up on because Sherry was expressing concerns. Um, but what's the, what does the research show about young people who grew up gaming? Yeah, I, I don't have any, any background or expertise to, to be able to, to tell you what 
what that's doing to them. Uh, again, I keep turning back to to my own kind of optimism about technology. Yeah. Is that? But, but like with Kate, Caleb, your uh, your yeah. guy that I met, uh, very uh, articulate, yep. smart guy. Yep. He obviously grew up on gaming. So my point is, doctor, there must be some skills. Oh yeah. There must be a skill set that you learn from growing up on this technology. Well, I think there's a skill set, and and even even more importantly. Um, what video games have done, at least in the experience of, of our employees, is it's ignited a passion uh, for technology and a passion for, for science fiction, which can lead to a passion for engineering. Is it addicting? Um, I think in a positive way. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right. So um, you developed the prototype. W- when did you know that this was going to happen? Where, where, when in the 10-year journey did you realize, hey, this, this is going to be for real? I've, I've, from day one and never. I mean, it's it's one of those things where every step of the way we were we were a couple of months away from financial ruin or making it big, uh, and we've never caught some of the the waves of of irrational enthusiasm that that some of the other companies uh, with with revolutionary technology have had. We've we've kind of had to to earn every single invested dollar, and that's made us a, a stronger company, a more humble company. Uh, and I think a longer-lasting company. On the Stolberg-Tatum text line, a couple of texts coming in. Uh, number one, listener wants to know basically how much money did you have to invest to develop the prototype? Uh, to develop the initial prototype, that was on the order of, of probably about a, a million dollars in a couple of years. Uh, we've we've raised over $30 million uh, over the 10 years. That's a lot of money. $30 million? Yep, yep. And that that's typical? For a project like this? For a project like this. I mean, this is, again, this is something that is a very, very uh, tough challenge, and it wouldn't have gotten this far, and people would not have invested that much money if they didn't see where it was headed and see the, the potential of this to really change an industry. This is a 20-year-old college dropout and a um, college professor. Yeah. $30 million. You could say washed-up college professor. <laughs> no, right? no, no. Not at all, doctor. Um you raised thirty million dollars. Yep, that's jaw dropping. Yeah, uh, but yet here's a skeptic on the Stolberg Tatum line. Just another novel scheme to create and capture a market. So what else is new? Yeah, I, this is more than that. Well, I, I, the the proof is in the people that purchase it. So we have have quite a large number of of people who actually have our units. You know, Jeff Bezos is using it. Yeah, and and so are our major companies. The ones that that we've announced publicly include almost all of the the major automobile manufacturers, uh, all of the branches of the U.S. military, uh, a lot of of large companies. And I just mentioned large companies because they're the ones that that are able to adopt new technology earlier. It's not limited to large companies, but I think the the, the what distinguishes a, a flash in the pan. Or something that's that's novel and will lose interest from something that really is is sustaining is does it have a a reason to exist that will make a company money uh, and ultimately it sounds sort of crude but but a pair of haptic gloves make money for companies because they solve they they shorten the amount of time it takes to get through the design cycle they uh, make it a safer environment to train their employees they let their employees be better trained that translates to to a value you're improving the virtual experience why are you apologizing <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. Even I get that. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I, I, part of me is doing this literally just for the joy of it, uh, and and that's a that's a harder one to 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 raise thirty million dollars on just just the sheer joy, uh, and so so we have had to really be able to articulate the value proposition. But at the end of the day, people like Caleb and myself, when we go in, and Jake still, we're doing something that that is 
cutting edge. It's a heck of a lot of fun, and it's it's making an impact. Dr. Bob Crockett is here, co-founder of Haptics. We're talking about virtual reality and the next step. Also, professor of biomedical engineering at Cal Poly. You were telling me earlier that some of your investors encourage you to move away from San Luis Obispo. That's right. Why? Yeah, so I mentioned that some of our earliest investors were local. Uh, and then as we started having to raise larger and larger amounts of money, uh, we were getting advice from outside the area that, that we were just we were hamstringing ourselves by, by staying in a small town where you didn't have access to all this world-class infrastructure, including the investment. Uh, and what we found was, was just the opposite of that, is that, that because we're in a small town, uh, we have people who are here who are absolutely world-class, uh, and, and you get that small-town feeling of people really rooting for you. Uh, and so we made a conscious decision, even though it's hard to hire people from outside the area. Now we have to take on some, some uh, older, more experienced folks. We're bringing them from outside the area here. It's a high cost of living. Uh, it's still a challenging place for a 25-year-old uh, single to, to be in terms of the, the social scene. Yeah. There's some issues. Uh, the cost of housing is always an issue. But but what made the difference for us is uh, the ability to to be in a place that we love uh, around world class people who helped us get to where we are now. So if you had to redo the last ten years, is there anything you do differently? Any lessons you learned? Uh, you know, I think the, the the biggest lessons. I I don't think we could have sped that process up if I was to do it all over again. It's a it's an evolutionary process. Uh, I think the biggest things that we did right were um, were trust our our instincts to to stay in town and listen to the people who were were giving us advice uh, early on. I, I think that really set the stage for success. And what that does is it 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 helps build a DNA of a company where where now everybody who we hire has that same sort of 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 small town ethos, even if they're coming from outside the area. And so it's a it's a great group to hang out with. It is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. I got to ask you, Dr. Crockett, do you believe in self-driving cars? That's the next topic. <laughs> I, I wish they'd hurry up because I have a daughter who just turned 15. Can, and, <laughs> can we combine the two, virtual reality and... Yeah, let's, 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 let's take one at a time, actually. Is there any area that virtual reality could not improve? Okay, well, let me, let, let me say that, that the, my initial reaction is, is that virtual reality is not, will not, and should not replace human interaction. I mean, I, I think that the more that we've developed this technology, the more that, that we've learned that, that technologies that, that, that work with people as opposed to people working with technology are the ones that, that are going to last. I mean, isn't that the, the basis of all this is to make our jobs easier, to improve our skills, like helping doctors learn how to do open-heart surgery? So that there's that, and that will continue on, and I think it's super, super important. But also, just as you experienced earlier today, you know, when a, when a little tiny fox jumps in, your, in the palm of your hand and circles around and lays down, we have some amazing, we have, you know, big burly guys who, who squeal uh, with delight. And I think that's what's been so rewarding about this is to, is to see the sort of unexpected human emotions that, that come out when, uh, when technology is used in a way that, that, that stimulates you uh, instead of, of it's just a, a, a tool. Well, today I had a spider crawl in my hand, and I got to kill it with a fly swatter. <laughs> I mean, it was a different kind of experience. I love being able to touch the cloud yep. and have it rain down on me. Yep. Um, I have a text on the Stolberg line. Uh, 
Solberg Tatum line. I'm trying to understand this. Uh, the, uh, how did you solve the cold case? You're a world-class scientist. You know what this listener is referring to? Ask about how he solved a cold case. Uh, that was back in 1997, 1998. That was, that was a while back. <laughs> uh, let's try this one instead. The same guy is asking, uh, what about the core technology, the patents? Yeah. So, so we have a wonderful patent attorney. I've got to give a shout-out to Tom Labens of, of Fitch Evan, who's local and has helped us from day one. Uh, we the first thing we did when we got together was was spend the summer thinking about how we could do this now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, uh, all the possible ways to to build a system uh, like we're we're actually building now. We put that in about a hundred and fifty page patent filing, uh, and that it's called an omnibus patent, uh, and it it really laid out our vision for for what what we would like to achieve over this whole project. Uh, and actually, we've stayed remarkably true to that original patent. But but that was that was done before any of this VR hype. That was done before Oculus came on board. It was before Facebook got into to VR. Uh, it it was really kind of, of visionary. And again, I, I point to the my my co-founder Jake as the the guy who did that all. Is China in, into VR at all? Everybody's into VR. Uh, but how advanced is China? Um, I haven't seen technologies come out that that are that sort of enterprise-grade technologies. A lot of what comes out of, of China is, is uh, aimed more towards the consumer market, which is, which is fine. It's great. It's just it doesn't intersect with what we're doing. A lot of gamers. Yeah. They're yeah. terrible with balloons. All right, uh, Dr. <laughs> Crockett, thank you so much. One last time on the website, please, for more information. That's www.haptex.com. Spell haptex, please. H-A-P-T-X. I got about 30 seconds for a final thought about virtual reality. Well, you know, again, I think that... that that virtual reality, like any technology, uh, when it's done right, you know it's done right because it, it brings people together. It lets people be more human as opposed to take away the humanity. And that's why I'm optimistic about the technology of virtual reality because it doesn't just isolate. It brings people together. So you're not going to get big and famous and wealthy and move the company out of town, are you? We're, we're not moving. We're, okay. we're here to stay. All right. The mind body said the same thing. I didn't have to ask. <laughs> All right, sir. Thank you. Thank Keep you. up the good work. Off we go. News, traffic, and weather. Get ready. Here comes Dr. Larry Martinez. Hopefully he's not in a self-driving car. He'll explain. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.